Good morning, new community. Uh, it's hard to believe that it was about two and a half years ago now that we left Chicago uh, as a family and headed out to uh, Columbia to serve as project missionaries with the Evangelical Covenant Church. So this is our first time back as a family, and we're just so thrilled to be here and reconnect with you briefly before we head back and continue serving in, in Columbia in the areas of church planting and leadership development. So we have Sam, who's with us, who's now six and a half, and Benjamin, who will be turning four in just two weeks. Uh, so it's been an incredible two and a half years of serving with some pretty amazing people in Colombia, uh, both in the city of Medellin, where we live, working with young professionals and university students, and just seeing their lives changed by the gospel uh, and impacting the people and their, the communities around them. And then as well as we had the opportunity to travel quite a bit within Colombia to some of the more rural areas. Um, some of the smaller cities, and Julio will share a little bit more about that as, as he preaches. But, uh, you know, little did we know when we met back in Cartagena um, that God would unite us in, in, in marriage and in ministry, and we just celebrated 10 years this March, and it's been quite an adventure. So, um, and these two little boys have just been a huge blessing, the way that they have adapted and changed, and how Sam can speak Spanish better than I can now. Um, but I'm just really thrilled that you'll get a chance to hear a little bit of Julio's heart as he's um, been listening to God and reading the Word and um, looking at it from the, the context of where we are as well in Colombia and the work that he's doing both in the rural areas and then with the, the young adults. So we just are so thankful to be here and um, hope to see some of you at the potluck this afternoon and keep your eye on the World Cup because Colombia is going to go on to the next round. So... <laughs> so thank you so much. We'll see you later. Good morning. We came this Friday uh, to Chicago. We left Colombia uh, around 4.45 in the morning. And we spent about six hours in two planes. And the rest of the time we spent... Something happened with this water, Mike. <laughs> we spent the rest of the time in uh, walking in airports and also going to customs and doing paperwork with our kids and uh, the whole day uh, with our two kids, spending time with them, but also very tired. And we got to Chicago around 9.45 in the evening. We were so tired. And then Saturday morning, uh, we were able to visit some friends here in Chicago. Uh, we have... Uh, a friend from Spain, and his wife is from Mexico, and their kids are very good friends of our kids. So we visit them and spend time with them. Our kids play with their kids. Our kids were happy. We were happy because they were happy too. <laughs> then we, uh, when Sam was here, Sam loved uh, Chipotle. So he said, we have to go to Chipotle to eat something. <laughs> and then we went to Chipotle to eat, and we realized that it was very expensive for us now, Chipotle. And also, Sam uh, started eating, and he said, Oh, Papa, this is muy picante, means it's too spicy. 
Uh, because people think that all Latin people eat spicy food, but we don't. In Colombia, we don't eat spicy food. That's the saddest part for Peter when he goes to Colombia, because we don't have spicy food there. Uh, but it was a good time with them. And then we went to the museum uh, to, to have our kids and visit the museum. And they were for about two and a half hours there, just walking around, enjoying everything. And they were so happy, so we were happy too. And we said, oh, that's good. Uh, then we uh, visited some friend in a suburb of Chicago. And when we went into his house, their house, we saw what a beautiful house they had. Big house, large space. Uh, and we said, oh, this is the perfect place for our kids. They were playing around, um, playing with the other kids. And so they were happy. We were happy too. And in one moment, they said, oh, let's go to the park. And we said, oh, let's go to the park. So we get out of the house, and they have a, such a huge yard. And Benz, uh, our youngest kid, he loved to run around. And he went out and he started running around and said, oh, this is the perfect place for them. And they said, but this is not the park. The park is over there. So we went to the park and it was such, such a beautiful, nice park. And I was, oh, I could live here. This is very comfortable. This is a nice place for our kids. They are happy. So I'm happy too. But what happened is I looked around and I saw something that made me happier. I saw a very nice soccer field, green. And you're, oh, this is the perfect place. Okay, God, I can live here. This is where you want me to be. Uh, and, oh, I was, like, so happy. I was very comfortable there. And then uh, a kid accident happened, which always happened. So I had to take Ben to the bathroom. And, we, and I walked with Ben to the bathroom and... When I was walking with him, I was reflecting in what God wants from me. God, God wants for me to be comfortable in a place like here, or God wants for me to be where I am right now. So this morning, uh, I would like to talk uh, with you uh, about what is good and what God wants from us. What is good and what God wants from us. I would like to pray first. God, thank you for your love, your mercy. Thank you for what you have done for each one of us. Thank you for new community. Thank you for each person here. Thank you for my family, my kids. Thank you for this place. And thank you that you are here with us this morning. I want to ask you to help me to understand you or to preach you or and to learn from it. Thank you for your Holy Spirit that is in us, helping us to follow you. So this morning, I ask you to speak to me. So I can speak my brothers and sisters here this morning. In your name I pray. Amen. 
So I have been in Colombia. I'm from Colombia. Uh, I lived in Chicago six years, and I learned English when I came to Chicago. So I came back to Colombia, so I have forgotten a lot of my English. So if you don't understand what I said, don't worry, because I don't understand sometimes either. So, <clears throat> but the Holy Spirit is going to help you to understand. <clears throat> That's the good part. So, um, I would like to talk based in the book of Micah. Uh, there is a Bible verse that is very well known for everyone. <clears throat> Almost everyone knows that verse. But before I read the text, I would like to talk a little bit about the context of the book. Uh, the prophet Micah uh, lived in the 8th century before Christ. And in the time where he was living, uh, the situation was not so good. Uh, there was a lot of violence. Uh, there is a, a lot of greed, uh, abuse of power, uh, a lot of injustice. Uh, the vulnerable people were suffering a lot. The rich people were oppressing the ones who were not in a good position. Uh, there was a lot of corruption. Uh, uh, a lot of people were losing their land uh, because the people who were in power were taking their land. Uh, farmers were being displaced. Uh, and that was happening inside God's people. The people of God were the ones who were doing that. They were oppressing between them. Uh, and the religious people at that time were not so different. Uh, they were receiving money for their service. Uh, they were, uh, the judge were accepting bribes. So everything was happening over there. And I don't know if that's happened in the U.S., but it's happened a lot in Colombia too. Uh, and I was trying to find a book in the Bible who talked about the reality of what's going on in my country. And looking in Micah, I found there is a lot of things that are the same, not so different. Um, so because of what was happening, God wants to talk to his people, and he wants to... Uh, do something with that. So in Micah 6, from the verse 1 to 8, God tried to do something with his people. And I want to read those verses. If you have the Bible with you, uh, I want to read six verses and then talk about those Bible verses and then talk a little bit about what's going on in Colombia and how God is working in Colombia. So, Micah 6, 1 to 8. Listen to what the Lord says. Stand up, plead my case before the mountains. Let the hills hear what you have to say. Hear, you mountains, the Lord's accusations. Listen, you everlasting foundation of the earth. For the Lord has a case against his people, his Lodging a church against Israel. My people, what have I done to you? What I have borne you? Answer me, say the Lord. I brought you up out of Egypt and redeemed you from the land of slavery. 
I sent Moses to lead you, also Aaron and Miriam. My people, remember what Balak, king of Moab, plotted, and what Balan, son of Beor, answered. Remember your journey from Sidim to Gilgal, that you may know the righteous acts of the Lord. And the people of God answered to God, What? With what shall I come before the Lord and bow down before the exalted God? Shall I come before him with burnt offerings, with calf of a year old? Will the Lord be pleased with thousands of rams, with ten thousand rivers of oil? Shall I offer my firstborn for my transgressions? the fruit of my body for the sin of my soul? And God answered to his people through the prophet Michael. He has shown all you people what is good. And what does the Lord require of you? To act justly and to love mercy and to walk humbly with your God. Is the text. The first two verses is the witness of this case. God called the witnesses. And who are the witnesses in this case? The mountains, the hills, and the everlasting foundation of the earth. And this case is against God's people, the people of Israel. And from verse 3 to 5, God speak. God speak to his people. And God says, because of what's going on, God says, have I done something wrong to you? Why are you acting like that? Why are you oppressing your own people? And I've done something wrong to you? And then God starts telling the story about what God had done for his people. God said, look, I brought you out of Egypt and redeemed you from the land of slavery. You were slave and I redeemed you. I saw the way the Egyptians were oppressing you and I heard you cry, therefore... I made the decision and coming down and rescue you. You were suffering. You were slave. And I came down to rescue. I not only come, came down to rescue you, but I give you leaders, people to lead you in the desert. I did it for you. And God continued telling the story. About what happened. Uh, God said, I sent Moses to lead you, Aaron and Miriam. My people remember what Bala, king of Moab, plotted and what Balan, son of Beor, answered. Remember your journey from Sidim to Gilgal, that you know the righteous act of the Lord. God's trying to, de- to tell them, remember what I have done for you. Remember that you were in dangers. Remember you were hungry in the desert. Remember that you were suffering. Remember you... you were being followed by the Egyptian people, and I helped you to cross the sea 
Remember that you were almost very close to the promised land. And the river was between you and the promised land. And I opened the river and you were able to cross. Remember what I have done for you. Remember that I have been merciful with you. Remember they have been walking with you all the time. Remember that. But why are you acting like that? Why are you oppressing your own people? Why are you taking the land of your people? Then Israel speak now. Verse 6 and 7. Seems like they recognize that they have done something wrong. And they want to fix things with God. They want to do things in the right way. And they say something like that. Lord, we have done wrong. How can we resolve this situation? How can we resolve these problems? Uh, How can we please you? And they start describing things that they can do to fix things with God. Uh, They said something like that. We want to please you. Here are some ways in which we can do and we would like to present them to you. Uh, For example, we can uh, come to you with different sacrifices. We are willing to do all kinds of sacrifice to please you. We want to do that. And the first thing that we want to do is uh, offer you burnt offerings. This is a very special offering because the whole thing, the whole animal was given to God. Uh, No part of the animal went to the priest. Everything was done, given to God. That was the first offering they wanted to offer to God. Uh, it was costly. They had to spend the whole year raising this animal and money and everything, and they wanted to give this to God. This is the first option. The second option is the offering of Jerlin in which any calf seven days old or older was eligible for sacrifice. Uh, was very costly. People spend a lot of money to protect this animal, so it would be perfect to give it to God. And they were willing to give this to God. Uh, we can also give you great quantities of goods. Thousands upon thousands of rivers of oil offering to you. We can give you this all to you. But God, if that is not enough, we can give our firstborn to you. Our kids. We can give it to you in sacrifice. If that pleased to you, if that fixed things with you, we can do that. They were willing to do all kinds of sacrifice to please God, to resolve the situation. They were even willing to do things that were not good with God, like giving their firstborn uh, to God. They were willing to go to Sunday school every Sunday. They were willing to go to the church 
every day if that's possible. People do that in Colombia sometimes. There are some small towns where they have worship service from Monday to Sunday. And people go to those worship services. They were willing to do that. Uh, They were willing to read the Bible every day. They were willing to pray two hours every day, maybe. Uh, They were willing to give uh, offering uh, to God. They were willing to do all this kind of stuff to fix things with God. And then the last two verses, the last verse, verse A, the prophets said, He has shown all you people what is good and what does the Lord require of you. What God wants from his people is not something new. They should know that, that because God has shown them not only what is good, but also what God wants from us. God wants from his people three things, to act justly, love mercy, and to work wisely or humbly with God. The Lord is asking his worshipers for the giving of themselves, obedience to his will, not for the giving of possessions to him. He's asking for the giving of themselves to God. No, for offering of sacrifice. The Lord doesn't demand elaborate sacrifice, but steadfastness of the whole man, his ethical integrity and his social commitment. That's what the Lord requires. That's what the Lord requires. Uh, there is a very old story about... Uh, Somebody who was asking, who wants to give something to God. And he was preaching about giving something to God. And he has the offering plate here. And he was saying, what do you want to, to give to God? And people was coming and giving money. And some people were giving all things. And something else, the guy was asking, something else who wants to give to God. Something else do you want to give to God? And people were giving things and things and things. And he was saying, that's not enough. And people would say, people would give him money. And he said, no, this is not enough. And all people was, what is enough? And somebody came and stand up in the plate. And he said, I give myself to God. And he said, that's what God wants from us. Colombia uh, is Colombia with O, no Columbia. Have you heard that? A lot of people write Columbia. This is one time I remember uh, going to a Starbucks and uh, and I saw the big sign that see coffee from Columbia, 100% Columbia. And I and I said to the person who was, "It's Columbia, no Columbia." And he said, "No, it is like that." So they have a, a coffee bag from Colombia and put it there. I took the coffee back and I took to him and said, what is that here? And he said, oh, Colombia with, oh, this is like that. <laughs> so, that happened a lot, so don't worry. <laughs> it's Colombia with two O. <laughs> Remember that. 
Colombia uh, is divided in something called social classes or social class. Starting from number, uh, at the beginning I thought it was number one to six, but now I realize they have number zero to six. Okay? Uh, six different social class. Zero is the people who don't have a house, don't have a place to go, and they live on the streets, uh, are homeless people. Um, they're usually homeless because of different reasons. Uh, could be they have problems with their families, could be uh, because of drug addictions, and could be because they lost their job, and all kind of stuff could happen. And so we have a lot of homeless people. So they are considered level zero, uh, the social class level zero. They don't have a place to go. And then we have from one to six. And it's very clear in Colombia who is level one and who is level six. Uh, you live in a neighborhood, depend your level. You pay your utilities according to your level. And, and it's very clear. So level one and two uh, are the poorest people. See? Uh, usually level one or two could be people who in the past used to live in the countryside. They used to be farmers. Uh, they used to work uh, growing uh, rice, corn, and yucca, uh, watermelon, all kind of stuff. But because of the violence, uh, they had been displaced from the countryside. And now they are living in the biggest cities. And in Col Colombia, is the, is the first country, is the country number one who have more internally displaced people inside the country. So what happened, the farmers who, live in, who used to live in the countryside, uh, like they were here, so we had something called guerrillas, uh, uh, rebel groups, and they would come and visit the farmers, and they talk to them, and sometimes they were good, sometimes they were bad, and they would leave. And then another group would come called paramilitares, and they would spend time with them, and, and also they would leave. And then the military would come and spend time with the farmers, be with them, they would leave. Then the rebel would come and say, why do, are you receiving a paramilitary group in your house? And if you don't have a good answer, you could be killed. Then they would leave, and the paramilitary would come and said, why are you receiving a rebel group in your house? If you don't have a good answer to you, they could be killed. Um, and then the military would come and say, why are you receiving, receiving uh, guerrilla, and why are you receiving paramilitary? So what are you answered to, to them? And then that's the problem with, with the farmers. So then what happened is the, they wanted to grow cocaine, in the countryside. And farmers were here, and they have their piece of land. And this group would come and say, I need your land. I need your land to grow cocaine. And the farmer would say, well, it's my land. I don't want to grow cocaine. So they say, well, you have three options. First one, you stay here. We use your land to grow cocaine. Second option, you live. We use your land anyway. Third option, you are killed. So a lot of people stayed, some were killed, but most of the people, they left their houses. 
So they live now in biggest cities uh, with all their family. Sometimes the man of the house was killed in front of their kids. And mom and four or five kids moved to the cities. Those kids saw what happened. When they moved to the city, uh, they didn't know what to do. They started working in the streets, and they were part of gangs, and something uh, worse happened in the city now. So that's, in some ways, the situation, class one or two. Uh, sometimes people who are in level two are also people who, uh, they have been living in the city all the time, but they live not in a good conditions. Level three is middle class. See? Middle class, they maybe have a house. Uh, they probably have a job. Uh, and they are making $300 a month, uh, probably, per family. Uh, this is middle class. Then we have level four, which is male upper class. And they usually have a house, have a good job. And maybe they have a car, maybe two. Uh, they live in a good neighborhood. Level five, they live in a very good neighborhood. They have one or two cars. Most of the people who live there are professional. Uh, the kids are uh, in good option to go to college. Um, and they have a good salary. And level six are the richest people. And they have more than one house. They have a finca, which is a, a house outside the city where they go every weekend to spend time with his family. We have a pool and two cars and everything. And there are some people who are level seven, maybe. And they are the richest of the richest. And there are like six families who own big companies in Colombia. So they are level seven. So this is uh, uh, the social class system in Colombia. 85% um, of the people are between level zero and three. 85% between zero and three. Uh, about 10% could be level four, and 5% if the rest of the people. See? Uh, how... The difference between Colombia and India is in Colombia, you can go from one level to the other level. How do you do that? One of the key is true education. If you uh, finish your high school, if you have to college, and if you finish college, you could pass from one level to another level. So I start level one living in the farm with my parents. My parents are farmers. Started level one. Uh, my dad was level one, never went to school. He doesn't know how to read uh, or to write. But he always would say, you have to study, you have to study, you have to study, you have to study. And I was able to study. It was difficult, but I was able to study. And then I finished high school. And in Colombia, there are two major options to go to college. One is if you are very rich. You just pay a private university, and you go there. And the other one is if you are very smart. You go to a public university, which is free, but it's very hard to get into. You have to pay. Sometimes uh, 10,000 people apply. There are only 100 spaces. So I was in a big trouble. One, I wasn't rich, and two, I wasn't smart. So, but God is good. 
uh, always. And God sent some people who helped me to pay uh, education. So I was able to get education. And through education, I was able to go from different levels. Uh, right now, we are living in level five. And we're going to share you why we are level, living in level, level five. Uh, we are working uh, as a family with people from level one to level five. Uh, we live in a neighborhood that is level five. Most of our neighbors live very well. Uh, they have two cars. They have good jobs. Uh, they own uh, things. Uh, one of our neighbors is a judge in the city. He's the president of like Supreme Court in the city. Uh, the other, a lady owned uh, Peter's favorite restaurant in Colombia. See, it's called Mondongos. Uh, uh, people from Korea love that restaurant. I know. People, uh, uh, we uh, sometimes I remember going there, and they have something called Mondongo, and. Peter asked, what is mondongo? And we say, is this the stomach of the cow? One of them. And so Peter, and it's something a little weird, Katie said. And Peter said, don't worry, we had worse things in Korea. So uh, for food. And that was, and he goes there and he loved that place. So the owner of that place lived live in, our, in, in our neighborhood. She's a very nice lady. Um, and other people live in our neighborhood and they're rich. Uh, and they have positions in the city, good positions in the city. So we work with them. And we also have a group of young professionals who, some of them are economists, some of them are philosophers, some of them are social workers, some of them are psychology, uh, business administrator, and we work with that group of people. Uh, we have a group in our house, they come together, and we do Bible study, and we talk about the city and about what's going on in the city. Uh, and it's a good group. Uh, a lot of those people who are now in level five, six, some of them were never, were, were not uh, level one or two. They always were level four or five. But some of our friends were one time, level one. They were able to go to college. They were able to study. And they were able to finish college. Now they are in level four, going to level five, because of their education. But we are also working with people who are in level one, who live in some areas of the city who are very difficult to live. There is a neighborhood that is made Mostly all displaced people. And they live far, far, far where we live. And it's a different world where they live. Uh, they have a house, a small house made of wood, uh, but not like in the U.S. It's different. It's one room. Sometimes 10 people live there. Uh, there is a lot of teenagers over there, girls who get pregnant very quickly, uh, are very um, young. And... And it's a difficult situation in that neighborhood. Uh, we uh, work in a place called Casa de Paz, House of Peace, where there are night kids who live there. And they live there because they cannot live with their mom. 
because their mom are in some ways involved in some kind of work that is very hard for the kids to see what's going on. So uh, we work sometimes with those kids. And there are two brothers who live in the house, and they have six more brothers. And uh, we asked them, who is the dad? And they said, we don't know. And sometimes they said that their mom sometimes have, she had had more kids, but they don't know where they are. Sometimes they have to sell them to get some money. So we work with these kind of kids too. But also, I travel once a month to an area of the Colombia that is very hot, that is humid, uh, that is about 100 degrees all the time. Uh, it's not Katie's favorite place to go. Uh, but it's one of my favorites because I grew up in a place like that. Uh, and I work dark with farmers. People, in some ways, used to be farmers. Why? They live in an area that is like a very long street, and they have houses around. But around there, there is a lot of land that in the past used to be their land. And they used to own that land. But what happened is, because of the violence in the past, the rebel groups took the land from them. And then after a while, the rebel groups sold the land to rich people. And those rich people sold the land to other people. So the people who own the land right now have the land legally. But the farmers used to, uh, the, the land used to be their lands. It's not their lands anymore. So now they cannot grow what they used to do or do what they used to do. And sometimes in the past, they used to go anywhere because it was their land. But now they can't because the land belongs to people who don't allow them to cross through the land. So I go there once a month to teach Bible, but also to encourage the young people to change their worldview. Why? Because in some ways, the worldview is to grow up there, uh, to get married, and to have kids. Because they don't see more options. But what I'm trying to do is to teach them the Bible, but also tell them there is more option. And for them, it's hard because they don't have money to pay education. Uh, and like me, they are maybe not smart enough to go to a public university. So I'm helping them in some ways to go to a school and to try to work and see a ways to improve their life. So we are trying to do that too. Uh, but we live in a place where most of the time is very uncomfortable to live. It's not a place like where I was yesterday. Uh, we can move to Chicago again and be a place like that. And sometimes I would like to do that. Uh, sometimes I tell Katie uh, when I watch uh, Discovery Channel and I watch some places in Europe, we want to go to Italy one day. And we say some areas and we say, oh, Katie, we can live there and just have a peaceful life. And no problems, just our kids, we grow up uh, healthy, and, 
speaking maybe Italian, Spanish, and English, that would be nice. Uh, but God wants us to be in Colombia. And I, in some ways, I always wanted to come back to Colombia. Uh, when I decided to come to the U.S. Uh, eight years ago, some people said, you are not going to come back to Colombia. And I said, I will have to come back to Colombia. They said, no, you're not going to come back. You're going to go to the U.S., live comfortable and stay there and live a good life. You're not going to come back to Colombia. And I said, I want to come back to Colombia. And I came back to Colombia and living there and working there. But a place like where I was yesterday is a, pla- it's a more comfortable place for my family, for my kids. Uh, a nice field, soccer field, and a nice field where Ben can run. Run. We live, we live in a big place, an apartment, but it's not enough for Benjamin because he wants to run all the time. Yeah, he wants to play. Uh, but we live in a city where they don't have so many parks like here. Uh, we don't ha- they don't have so many open space like here. And we have to be there. And when they are in vacation, oh, my goodness, this is difficult with Benjamin. Um, with Sam, too. But Sam is more calm. But Benjamin wants to run. He wants to run. Uh, but God wants us to be there. What is good and what God wants from us? The Bible says to act justly, to love mercy, and to work humbly with God. We know what God has done for us in Jesus Christ. We know what God has done for us in Jesus Christ. We are in Christ. Therefore, because we are in him, it is not what we want to be or what we want to do is what Christ wants us to be or to do. What he wants is good. What is what he wants from us? I learned this. God wants me to act justly, to love mercy, and to walk with him. Sometimes that is not comfortable. Most of the time it's not comfortable. But that is good. That is good. And that's what he wants from us. It's not comfortable most of the time. But that is good. And that's what God wants from me. I don't know what's going on in the U.S. so much now. I watch the news all the time, but now it's Colombian news. But I guess it's not so different. But I just want to encourage you. God wants from you what is good. And what is good is to act justly, to love mercy, and to walk with God. Wherever he sent you, wherever he sent you, here in Chicago, in your job, in your school, in your family, or if God sent you to another state, 
to another city, to another country. Do what is good. And do what he wants from you. Do what he wants. Lord, thank you for your love, for your mercy. Thank you that you are good. And what you want from us is good too. It's not comfortable, Lord. But it's good. You are good. Thank you for you word that is good for us, that help us to see you, that help us to understand you. Thank you for each person here that is seeking you, that wants to love you because you love them first. Thank you for each person here that is in Christ, that is in you. Because it is only in you and through you that we can do what is good. That we can do what you want from us to do. So help us, Lord, each one of us to be in you. And then... To love mercy. To do justice. And each place that where we are. It could be our house. It could be our family. It could be our jobs. It could be our schools. Our neighborhoods. Our cities. Country. I only ask you, please, help me to be in you. Because it's the only way that I can do what you want me to do. I love you and I thank you for this opportunity to be able to share about you, love, and about what you are doing in Colombia. Thank you for the people that you have you have uh, given us to serve and to work with. And thank you for new community, for this church who support us, not only in pray, but also financially, Lord. Thank you for this beautiful community. I love you and I thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen.